Hello everyone, I'm Sarah. Hi everyone, this is Dana. Welcome to OT Ladies, our first podcast. Welcome, welcome. Yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> so Dana and I decided to create this podcast. We were just sitting down for coffee one day and we were just talking about how much we love being OTs and how different it could be depending on the setting, where you are regionally and even globally. Yeah, we actually met after a year and we had a four hour discussion over this. We were so excited and that actually told us that, yeah, we were really ready to create this. So I'm so excited about that. Yeah, so I got to give Denna the credit. She was all like, we should we should make a podcast. We have something we know we could talk about. And I was like, oh, a podcast, you know, what would it be about? Like the standard practice areas. And we got to talking and we don't want to do the standard. This is OT or practice specific or this specific setting. Uh, We want to talk about OT in a broad sense because OT itself, occupational therapy is broad. And just like OT can't fit into a small box, neither could we. So we wanted to look at things from a very holistic, global, regional perspective. Yeah, as an OT, I always wonder about OT practice um, in other countries. And I would like to know what are um, their challenges and what are their practice models. and. Um, that's what we. That's how we created our logo. So, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about how we come up with our logo? So we were we were brainstorming how to to make what kind of logo to make, and we thought about global. You know that word kept coming up when we were talking about things global, also holistic, and then. We thought, oh, let's make it fun. <laughs> so not just you know a standard picture of us, but uh, Denna is the creative one, so I have to give her all the credit. She designed our logo after us together, just brainstorming these ideas. And for the O of OT and occupational therapy, we picked a globe because OT is global, OT is holistic, all encompassing, all encompassing, all encompassing. So the idea is that, you know, that was the O. And then the T, we were interacting with the T. So we brought in our personal hobbies, Dennis being hiking, mine being lifting, bodybuilding. So we are interacting in a fun way with our OT uh, logo in a cartoon. Which is fun. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Um, I uh, gave some credit to my boyfriend helping me with creating actually the logo using the software, and then since OT is all about hobbies and passions and occupations, so we kind of figure out. Well, my hobby is hiking. Sarah's hobby is lifting and bodybuilding. So what if we just come up with that idea of, oh, as a globe and then T as a T that is I'm pulling it during hiking. 
So yeah, that's how we come up with our OT logo. And uh, Sarah, can you briefly introduce yourself, like the background and where you practice? Absolutely. <laughs> so my undergraduate work uh, was at University of California, San Diego. My bachelor's was in physiology and neuroscience, which was a lot of different topics and nice. ideas. Uh, I had a minor in public health and social issues, so kind of bringing about how I went into OT. I was interested in healthcare, but a lot of issues as well. And I went on to yep. pursue uh, occupational therapy through graduate program at San Jose State University in California, which is an amazing program. Credit my yeah. professors and and colleagues there, great uh, start of my career. And now I work in uh, inpatient uh, acute care in a hospital. I love that setting. I absolutely love the all the different experiences I have, different diagnoses, new surgeries. I love being an OT in the medical model. I think that it is doable and I think that I'm always learning something. It's very fast paced and I absolutely love it. I work in, of course, the neuro and general medicine, the general populations that OT typically does, but our hospital has a specialty in cardiac, which I'm really passionate about as it is kind of unique area for OT opposed yes. to oncology and some other areas that have been up and coming for a while, it seems like. But uh, we do very interesting surgeries like the left ventricular assist device and the LVAD, which is a mechanical support device and very uh, unique opportunities for an OT to be part of that facilitation to return to uh, independence. That's amazing. That's a very, very thorough background. I like that. That's great. So, so tell um, the, our podcast listeners about yourself, Denna. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, mine is like as thorough as yours, but here I am. Um, I had uh, my bachelor from Iran, Tehran, uh, from Behishti's University, and then in 2006, 2006, yes, I immigrated to the States, and I had to sit for the master's program because that was the year that they changed the OT profession from the bachelor to actually master's level. Oh, and then, um, so as you know, I have a very curious mind and I didn't stay in just one setting, started with um, outpatient neuro and I moved to pediatric neuro and ortho. Then I switched to, again, outpatient um, ortho, then tried inpatient neuro, geriatric and home health. Um, pediatrics, infants, um, but not the NICU, just working with the babies. And I end up um, in outpatient rehab, found out that my passion is ortho. And as you said, I um, the, mod the medical model, I found that's my passion is. And also on the side, I started uh, my small business, which is neurology um, and geriatric. We can talk about it later. And I do some home health on the side so here I am very exciting exciting journey you've yeah, seen that many many settings I feel like from the conversations I've had with you you have a lot of experience thank you thank you so Sarah um, tell us a little bit about the research behind uh, what you found about the global OT like practicing OT in different countries European countries uh, Middle Eastern countries and all over the world 
Yeah, so I really have been pulling a lot of articles and uh, literature for this presentation from the World Health Organization, the WHO, as well as our Global Occupational Therapy Association, the WFOT. And there was a very good article that's pretty recent that I pulled from on global health policy. It's uh, Patterson 2018. It's a message from the president. And I, it, it's a pretty 30-page uh, uh, article-ish, and it, it shares mm -hmm. a lot of interesting information about you know the similarity between our practice globally, differences, and what OT in general has in common. So here in the United States, for example, we have different specialties. We have uh, mm -hmm. swallowing, dysphagia, driving, hand therapy hand therapy dental will be able to talk about as she is a, a hand therapist but in other countries it looks very different uh, based on the paying system based on the services administered if OT is even really a thing there to be honest that's another issue but I was yeah. excited to see that between 2006 and 2016 from this uh, this article that I read that there's been a 79% increase in the number of practicing OTs worldwide. So I think that's huge. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, so that, that's amazing. Very exciting. And I I think that we'll try to in, in some of the talks that we do, we might pick a specific country or a specific topic and pull from different sources, but just as a snippet of, you know, what's to come. For example, in this article yeah. we we talked about uh, or we we read about that Latin mm -hmm. America has a social model of disability, which is very different than ours. And in most of these countries actually are not even directly reimbursed from the government. So wow. it's like a community driven model. So that's really interesting. And then that's there's places like Nepal that aren't even able to really afford to have an occupational therapist in the hospital, for example. And as I'm an inpatient therapist, I, I, I gravitate towards that kind of information. So it's, it's interesting. So yeah, yeah. some, you know, the medical model completely is like a gatekeeper. And in some places, OT directly is the, is the, is the referral payment almost the gatekeeper themselves. Mm -hmm. Do you, I know, Denny, you have a little bit more experience with that model based on uh, your, your point of origin. Yeah, so um, from where I came from, uh, or I had my um, undergrad done as an OT, we were very strong with um, or in the medical model. And um, the settings are very um, based on the medical model. It's very strong with hand therapy, and um, neurology, and um, to be honest with you, um, mental health is not as strong as um, ortho. And um, we they don't need any prescription, any referrals uh, from any physicians or um, um, specialists or primary care physicians. Um, so they all recognize occupational therapists um, basically as a same as physical therapists and they kind of worship the therapist as a physician and mm. um, again it's a very um, strong medical model in um, pediatrics ortho is very strong in Iran Tehran um, not sure how about the mental health is nowadays it's been a while since I left the country 
Um, but where, when I was doing my field work, um, I, I could see how hospitals are very strong in medical model, especially when it comes to ortho for both physical therapists, occupational therapists. Vera, tell us about, um, I know you practice in Italy. Part of uh, your field work was in Italy, right? It was Can actually in Malta, yeah. but close in, okay. in location. So Malta is a Mediterranean country in the center of the Mediterranean Sea, for those of you that don't know about it or mm -hmm. have never visited it. It's a beautiful country surrounded by the ocean and several other countries after that. <laughs> so I was able to have a unique uh, study abroad experience for OT within my program at San Jose State which was also another wonderful reason to choose that program. <laughs> I got to yeah. go travel and have an OT experience for three weeks, which was incredible. And I think that study abroad is something that everyone, if they can in their lifetime, have a chance to do, not just for the global uh, perspective, but if it's in your career like mine was you you get more of a a global a more holistic even uh, perspective than any research could give you you actually get to go whether you administer the services or you're in, in school so Malta yeah. had a unique uh, uh, kind of uh, model because it was built by the, the Maltese people, but also with collaboration from a San Jose State professor that came with us on our trip. And she helped them kind of develop this program and develop uh -huh. occupational therapy that, from what she said, didn't exist before this collaboration started. So OT didn't exist, is what it seems mm -hmm. like. And now it is, uh, since they are socialized uh, healthcare, it's integrated uh -huh. within their healthcare system. It is billed and directed by the government health plan, but it is accessible via clinic, uh, mm -hmm. hospital, home health. However, they do not have occupational therapy school-based. So I thought wow. that was really interesting because we toured one of we we toured many of these sites and got to see. Yeah their OT programs throughout mm -hmm. the the different places you could receive services which was really great but the school system doesn't have an OT program and actually the children aren't in separate programs so it's uh, all wow. inclusive versus uh like you like pulling like anyone in school base that's listening they don't yeah. have uh, in, it's inclusion versus exclusion so everybody's in the same classroom and the services there there's a couple OTs there working on building school-based OT because it isn't a thing you take your kids to clinic after school basically Wow. And then, of course, uh, there is private-based clinics. So I saw a pediatric private-based clinic that was just phenomenal. So this would be private pay. So a patient, client, their parents would pay mm -hmm. for the OT to work with them, for example. And they would uh, come to the sensory room, really incredible mm -hmm. location, where basically they could have different 
sensory rooms there was like a white padded room with swings it was all about like vestibular and then there was a tactile room that was all dark and then there was like touch light up things so there was like things yeah. they could do with their feet there was things they could touch so each room kind of had its own theme and I thought that was really unique so I I had a good uh, explanation of you know Maltese OT based on that field work opportunity definitely a, a memorable event that's amazing now that you mentioned about the ot in school um i realized that in there is no um any uh, there is no school district ot um so there oh. is not the program through the school districts yes there is not such a thing and just the, um, the way you explained that um geez, i mean Students go to the clinics after school to get their homeworks done or to use some occupational therapy services. That's exactly the same thing. Don't in Iran there is no uh, occupational therapy program through the school district. Mm. As, um, as far as I know, from you know, where, when I was back there, and um, that's kind of interesting. That's as you mentioned. I wonder how you know, OTs around the world, like say European countries, um, it, they're practicing or what kind of a models do, do they use? Yeah, and I think for our listeners then, here, that's that's kind of how we started this idea in general. We were talking about, we, we have colleagues we work with that are actually international, just as, you know, Denna has background in another place. I traveled to a place for one point, only three weeks, so not the same kind of immersive experience, but it was interesting to kind of talk to other peers, to read about other experiences and realize how different it is. Then I want to go back to something you said about uh, ortho versus neuro. So so you're saying yes. that in, in Tehran, ortho for OT is strong, but neuro isn't as strong. Is that correct? Um, neuro neurology, um, as far as I remember, I was a work student one, I guess, uh, Neurology wasn't that as strong to me when it comes to um, stroke rehab. Interesting. Or um, let's say any ne neurological complications like spinal cord injuries mm -hmm. or for adults, not definitely not for pediatrics. For adults, I, 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 I feel like there is a gap. There is something missing there that um, they weren't that as strong when it comes to the adult neurology. Uh, when it comes to the therapy. However, this is about, let's say, like 2000, in 2003 or four when I was a student. So it's been a while. I'm not sure I haven't been back and I'm not sure how strong, um, strongly they're practicing right now. But that's really interesting yeah. because I feel like around that time in the United States, that was the bread and butter of OT is, you know, neuro. Yeah. And we've had to justify, not so much ortho, I think that came probably right after, even though our roots in, you know, 19, early 1900s were mental health, I think that we got a lot of our uh, credibility, our legitimacy through neuro neurological conditions like traumatic brain injury yeah. and strokes. That was kind of when OT had, at least in the hospital, a big population of people exactly. whereas everything exactly. else has been like okay OT can do this let me show you why we can do this 
neuro yeah. was like assumed well ot is is good with strokes you know from from layman's terms from the physicians and other and other uh stakeholders so that's really interesting yeah yeah and then now uh, you actually i kind of to know about um you know what do you think in our um profession or career occupational therapy terminology how will be changed or um, shifted towards a different terminology something like activity therapist or um, so what do you think because I know around the world occupational therapy is just occupational therapy like in Iran for those listeners if you do have any uh, Farsi um, speaker listener um, now um, I, occupational therapy is called car that money Oh, and exactly yeah. is a translation like English to Farsi, cardamone. So I, I wonder in Italy, like what was called occupational therapy? Is it exactly the same exact? That's really that? interesting because now that you say this, I was thinking about translator call because my hospital, for example, offices language services. So... 30 different languages you can literally call this translator and it'll be this big iPad uh, translator person that will come and translate the session for you and the patient client family etc and I remember I was talking to a Cantonese interpreter and he's like he, he told me occupational therapy is not easy to translate and yes. I was like okay <laughs> what what does what should I use as a word and I think that even when I was in school, they, they had this exact argument. It was, should we change occupational therapy? Because a lot of people don't know what it means. Well, I think, there, I think there's a, a couple job. things behind that. Because it's like, if we do activity therapists, then nobody really sees any credibility for any kind of medical right. side, any kind of scientific evidence-based you know all the areas we're trying to go as a profession but then if we change to functional therapist then i mean ideally physical therapy which nowadays they're trying to be more functional they like to do dynamic balance that is a little bit of adls like can they put on socks can they pull up pants a lot of new physical therapists that i work with see that's kind of part of their training for right. dynamic sitting and standing balance so in terms of mm -hmm. that's kind of i don't know it doesn't really just say what ot does so i think that occupation the idea of meaningful activity meaningful journey to return to life or to live life as one would desire i don't think we should yes. change that and i think that just by this uh wfot article that suggested how much ot has grown globally OT has also grown, grown in terms of California, in terms of the United States. We've also had a big increase in terms of need mm -hmm. and amount of therapists. So I don't think we need to change our terminology. I think we need to continue to generate research that proves what we do. Exactly. with evidence-based and I think we need to continue to advocate and I'm very passionate about advocacy within you know I I subscribe to AOTA which is our American Association also the California Association which is OTEC 
We are uh, members in California for our listeners. So it's important to support our national and regional OT organizations because that, yeah, they can, they can give us, uh, what's, what am I looking for? They can uh, advocate for us in terms of policy, which is huge too. That's right. No, that was a very great explanation. And for um, those of us that we have some challenging moments with our clients or patients that they, uh, we, we, they call us, no, we don't need occupation. We are retired. Oh, oh no. What is occupation? We don't need jobs. Are you trying to find a job for me? No, thank you. Goodbye. I know. That's the joke that we laugh at when we first start. And then we're like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. And we have the polite smile, but we realize, okay, we just have to use this as educational opportunity. Even though the more I hear it, the more I'm like, oh, that's that example again, (laughs) you know, but uh, to persevere and to use it as an educational opportunity. Yeah. So, Sarah, I would really like to see how OTs around the world can pursue the same goal for our career, like functionality, independency, holistic approach. So that's why we want to throw this podcast. We want to gather all OTs around the world to get united and find out. And I would like even to, you know, if we can even talk to them, find them. And um, I want them to leave us a comment and maybe we can actually invite them to our um, podcast. Absolutely. We can interview them. So um, also I do, I I wanted to use um, one of the quotes from Helen Keller that I thought is to our OT or T today. And it says, she says, alone, we can do little together. We can do so much. So that's why that I want to invite all of to get together to put ideas and working towards our mission to actually moving it towards a better, um, I don't know, the better career where you can help. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I and I think we, we want to provide also relevant research. You know, we'll pull from some articles here and there to give you the opportunity to hear some over your commute or free time. So you know, we'll do some of the work for you with relevant issues, ideas, policies that can affect us in the United States and globally. And then we'll have a chance to discuss you know, Dennis and mine's opinions on all that so that you can hear a little bit more about what's going on uh, globally and uh, for OT, but not just for OT, if those of you listening aren't OTs, but also are healthcare providers or just people that have healthcare and, and all this is relevant, we'll try to bring up topics that are interesting and relevant to everyone. So with that being said, guest speakers, sometimes just us, we'll keep this very open and uh, feel free to kind of peruse around in terms of the list of topics we cover it'll be each episode will be completely uh standalone so if you're interested in a topic click it but don't feel like each one has to be watched in a certain order okay exactly stay tuned for our next one all right so join us next time at ot ladies thank you for listening bye-bye bye